Section two of the exemplary novels of Miguel de Cervantes Saavedra. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Margaret Espaillat. The exemplary novels by Miguel de Cervantes Saavedra, translated by Walter K. Kelly. The Lady Cornelia, Part Two. Don Juan then commanded the housekeeper to enter the room taking with her the infant, whose rich habits she had already replaced. The woman did as she was ordered, having been previously told what she should reply to the questions of the signora respecting the infant she bore in her arms. Seeing her come in, Cornelia instantly said, "'You come in good time, my friend. Give me that infant, and place the light near me.' The servant obeyed, and, taking the babe in her arms, Cornelia instantly began to tremble, gazed at him intently, and cried out in haste, "'Tell me, good woman, is this child the same that you brought me a short time since?' "'It is the same, signora,' replied the woman. "'How is it, then, that his clothing is so different?' "'Certainly, dame housekeeper, either these are other wrappings, or the infant is not the same.' "'It may be all as you say,' began the old woman." "'All as I say,' interrupted Cornelia, "'how and what is this? I conjure you, friend, by all you most value, to tell me whence you received these rich clothes, for my heart seems to be bursting in my bosom. Tell me the cause of this change, for you must know that these things belong to me, if my sight do not deceive me, and my memory have not failed. In these robes, or some like them, I entrusted to a servant of mine the treasured jewel of my soul.' Who has taken them from him? Ah, miserable creature that I am! Who has brought these things here? Oh, unhappy and woeful day! Don Juan and Don Antonio, who were listening to all this, could not suffer the matter to go further, nor would they permit the exchange of the infant's dress to trouble the poor lady any longer. They therefore entered the room, and Don Juan said, This infant and its wrappings are yours, signora and immediately he related from point to point how the matter had happened. He told Cornelia that he was himself the person to whom the waiting-woman had given the child, and how he had brought it home, with the orders he had given to the housekeeper respecting its change of clothes, and his motives for doing so. He added that, from the moment when she had spoken of her own infant, he had felt certain that this was no other than her son, and if he had not told her so at once, that was because he feared the effects of too much gladness, coming immediately after the heavy grief which her trials had caused her. The tears of joy then shed by Cornelia were many and long continued. Infinite were the acknowledgments she offered to heaven, innumerable the kisses she lavished on her son, and profuse the thanks which she offered from her heart to the two friends, whom she called her guardian angels on earth, with other names, which gave abundant proof of her gratitude. They soon afterwards left the lady with their housekeeper, whom they enjoined to attend her well, and do her all the service possible, having made known to the woman the position in which Cornelia found herself, to the end that she might take all necessary precautions, the nature of which she, being a woman, would know much better than they could do. They then went to rest for the little that remained of the night, intending to enter Cornelia's apartment no more, unless summoned by herself, or called thither by some pressing need. 
The day having dawned, the housekeeper went to fetch a woman, who agreed to nurse the infant in silence and secrecy. Some hours later the friends inquired for Cornelia, and their servant told them that she had rested a little. Don Juan and Don Antonio then went to the schools. As they passed by the street where the combat had taken place, and near the house whence Cornelia had fled, they took care to observe whether any signs of disorder were apparent, and whether the matter seemed to be talked of in the neighborhood, but they could hear not a word respecting the affray of the previous night, or the absence of Cornelia. So, having duly attended the various lectures, they returned to their dwelling. The lady then caused them to be summoned to her chamber, but, finding that, from respect to her presence, they hesitated to appear, she replied to the message they sent her, with tears in her eyes, begging them to come and see her, which she declared to be now the best proof of their respect, as well as interest, since, if they could not remedy, they might at least console her misfortunes. Thus exhorted, the gentlemen obeyed, and Cornelia received them with a smiling face and great cordiality. She then entreated that they would do her the kindness to walk about the city and ascertain if anything had transpired concerning her affairs. They replied that they had already done so, with all possible care, but that not a word had been said reacting the matter. At this moment one of the three pages who served the gentleman approached the door of the room, telling his masters from without that there was then at the street door, attended by two servants, a gentleman who called himself Lorenzo Bentivoglio, and inquired for the Signor Don Juan de Gamboa. Hearing this message, Cornelia clasped her hands and placed them on her mouth. She exclaimed in a low and trembling voice, while her words came with difficulty through those clenched fingers, "'It is my brother, signors! It is my brother! Without doubt he has learned that I am here, and has come to take my life. Help and aid, signors! Help and aid!' "'Calm yourself, lady,' replied Don Antonio. "'You are in a place of safety, and with people who will not suffer the smallest injury to be offered you. The signor Don Juan will go to inquire what this gentleman demands, and I will remain to defend you, if need be, from all disturbance.' Don Juan prepared to descend accordingly, and Don Antonio, taking his loaded pistols, bade the pages belt on their swords, and hold themselves in readiness for whatever might happen. The housekeeper, seeing these preparations, began to tremble. Cornelia, dreading some fearful result, was in grievous terror. Don Juan and Don Antonio alone preserved their coolness. Arrived at the door of the house, Don Juan found Don Lorenzo, who, coming towards him, said, I entreat your lordship, for such is the form of address among Italians, I entreat your lordship to do me the kindness to accompany me to the neighboring church. I have to speak to you respecting an affair which concerns my life and honor. Very willingly, replied Don Juan, let us go, signor, wherever you please. They walked side by side to the church, where they seated themselves on a retired bench, so as not to be overheard. Don Lorenzo was the first to break silence. "'Signor Spaniard,' he said, "'I am Lorenzo Bentivoglio. If not of the richest, yet of one of the most important families belonging to this city, and if this seem like boasting of myself, 
the notoriety of the fact may serve as my excuse for naming it. I was left an orphan many years since, and to my guardianship was left a sister, so beautiful that if she were not nearly connected with me, I might perhaps describe her in terms that, while they might seem exaggerated, would yet not by any means do justice to her attractions. My honor being very dear to me, and she being very young as well as beautiful, I took all possible care to guard her at all points, but my best precautions have proved vain. The self-will of Cornelia, for that is her name, has rendered all useless. In a word, and not to weary you, for this story might become a long one, I will but tell you that the Duke of Ferrara, Alfonso d'Este, vanquishing the eyes of Argus by those of a lynx, has rendered all my cares vain. By carrying off my sister last night from the house of one of our kindred, and it is even said that she has already become a mother. The misfortune of our house was made known to me last night, and I instantly placed myself on the watch. Nay, I met and even attacked Alfonso, sword in hand, but he was succored in good time by some angel, who would not permit me to efface in his blood the stain he has put upon me. My relation has told me, and it is from her I have heard all, that the duke deluded my sister under a promise to make her his wife, but this I do not believe, for, in respect to present station and wealth, the marriage would not be equal, though, in point of blood, all the world knows how noble are the Bentivogli of Bologna. What I fear is that the duke has done what is but too easy when a great and powerful prince desires to win a timid and retiring girl. He has merely called her by the tender name of wife, and made her believe that certain considerations have prevented him from marrying her at once, a plausible pretense, but false and perfidious. Be that as it may, I see myself at once deprived of my sister and my honor. Up to this moment I have kept the matter secret, purposing not to make known the outrage to any one, until I see whether there may not be some remedy or means of satisfaction to be obtained. It is better that a disgrace of this kind be supposed and suspected than certainly and distinctly known, seeing that between the yes and the no of a doubt each inclines to the opinion that most attracts him, and both sides of the question find defenders. Considering all these things, I have determined to repair to Ferrara and there demand satisfaction from the Duke himself. If he refuse it, I will then offer him defiance." Yet my defiance cannot be made with armed bands, for I could neither get them together nor maintain them but as from man to man. For this it is, then, that I desire your aid. I hope you will accompany me in the journey. Nay, I am confident that you will do so, being a Spaniard and a gentleman, as I am told you are. I cannot entrust my purpose to any relation or friend of my family, knowing well that from them I should have nothing more than objections and remonstrances, while from you I may hope for sensible and honorable counsels, even though there should be peril in pursuing them. You must do me the favor to go with me, Signor. Having a Spaniard, and such as you appear to be at my side, I shall account myself to have the armies of Xerxes. I am asking much at your hands, but— 
the duty of answering worthily to what fame publishes of your nation would oblige you to do still more than I ask. No more, Signor Lorenzo, exclaimed Don Juan, who had not before interrupted the brother of Cornelia, no more. From this moment I accept the office you propose to me, and will be your defender and counsellor. I take upon myself the satisfaction of your honour, or do vengeance for the affront you have received, not only because I am a Spaniard, but because I am a gentleman, and you another, so noble as you have said, as I know you to be, and as indeed all the world reputes you. When shall we set out? It would be better that we did so immediately, for a man does ever well to strike while the iron is hot. The warmth of anger increases courage, and a recent affront more effectually awakens vengeance. Hearing this, Don Lorenzo rose and embraced Don Juan, saying to him, A person so generous as yourself, Signor Don Juan, needs no other incentive than that of the honor to be gained in such a cause. This honor you have assured to yourself to-day. If we come out happily from our adventure, but I offer you in addition all I can do, or am worth. Our departure I would have to be to-morrow, since I can provide all things needful to-day. This appears to me well decided, replied Don Juan, but I must beg you, Signor Don Lorenzo, to permit me to make all known to a gentleman who is my friend, and of whose honour and silence I can assure you even more certainly than of my own, if that were possible. Since you, Signor Don Juan, replied Lorenzo, have taken charge, as you say, of my honour, dispose of this matter as you please, and make it known to whom and in what manner it shall seem best to you, how much more then to a companion of your own, for what can he be but everything that is best? This said, the gentlemen embraced each other and took leave, after having agreed that on the following morning Lorenzo should send to summon Don Juan at an hour fixed on when they should mount their horses and pursue their journey in the disguise that Don Lorenzo had selected. Don Juan then returned, and gave an account of all that had passed to Don Antonio and Cornelia, not omitting the engagement into which he had entered for the morrow. "'Good heavens, Signor!' exclaimed Cornelia. "'What courtesy! What confidence! To think of your committing yourself without hesitation to an undertaking so replete with difficulties! How can you know whether Lorenzo will take you to Ferrara, or to what place indeed he may conduct you?' but go with him whither you may, be certain that the very soul of honour and good faith will stand beside you. For myself, unhappy creature that I am, I shall be terrified at the very atoms that dance in the sunbeams, and tremble at every shadow. But how can it be otherwise, since on the answer of Duke Alfonso depends my life or death? How do I know that he will reply with sufficient courtesy to prevent the anger of my brother from passing the limits of discretion? And if Lorenzo should draw the sword, think ye he will have a despicable enemy to encounter? Must I not remain through all the days of your absence in a state of mortal suspense and terror, awaiting the favourable or grievous intelligence that you shall bring me? Do I love either my brother or the duke so little as not to tremble for both, and not feel the injury of either to my soul? Your fears affect your judgment, Signora Cornelia, replied Don Juan, and they go too far. Amidst so many terrors you should give some place to hope, and trust in God. 
put some faith also in my care, and in the earnest desire I feel to see your affairs attain to a happy conclusion. Your brother cannot avoid making this journey to Ferrara, nor can I excuse myself from accompanying him thither. For the present we do not know the intentions of the Duke, nor even whether he be or be not acquainted with your elopement. All this we must learn from his own mouth, and there is no one who can better make the inquiry than myself. Be certain, Signora, that the welfare and satisfaction of both your brother and the Signor Duke are to me as the apples of my eyes, and that I will care for the safety of one as of the other. Ah, Signor Don Juan, replied Cornelia, if heaven grant you as much power to remedy, as grace to console misfortune, I must consider myself exceedingly fortunate in the midst of my sorrows, and now would I fain see you gone and returned, for the whole time of your absence I must pass suspended between hope and fear. The determination of Don Juan was approved by Don Antonio, who commended him for the justification which he had thereby given to the confidence of Lorenzo Bentivoglio. He furthermore told his friend that he would gladly accompany him to be ready for whatever might happen, but Don Juan replied, Not so. First, because you must remain for the better security of the Lady Cornelia, whom it will not be well to leave alone, and secondly, because I would not have Signor Lorenzo suppose that I desire to avail myself of the arm of another. But my arm is your own, returned Don Antonio. Wherefore, if I must even disguise myself, and can but follow you at a distance, I will go with you, and as to Signora Cornelia, I know well that she will prefer to have me accompany you, seeing that she will not here want people who can serve and guard her. Indeed, said Cornelia, it will be a great consolation to me to know that you are together, signors, or at least so near as to be able to assist each other in case of necessity, and since the undertaking you are going on appears to be dangerous, do me the favor, gentlemen, to take these relics with you. Saying this, Cornelia drew from her bosom a diamond cross of great value, with an agnus of gold equally rich and costly. The two gentlemen looked at the magnificent jewels, which they esteemed to be of still greater value than the decoration of the hat, but they returned them to the lady, each saying that he carried relics of his own, which, though less richly decorated, were at least equally efficacious. Cornelia regretted much that they would not accept those she offered, but she was compelled to submit. The housekeeper was now informed of the departure of her masters, though not of their destination or of the purpose for which they went. She promised to take the utmost care of the lady, whose name she did not know, and assured her masters that she would be so watchful as to prevent her suffering in any manner from their absence. Early the following morning Lorenzo was at the door where he found Don Juan ready. The latter had assumed a travelling dress with the rich sombrero presented by the duke, and which he had adorned with black and yellow plumes, placing a black covering over the band of brilliance. He went to take leave of Cornelia, who, knowing that her brother was near, fell into an agony of terror, and could not say one word to the two friends who were bidding her adieu. Don Juan went out the first, and accompanied Lorenzo beyond the walls of the city, where they found their servants waiting with the horses in a retired garden. 
They mounted, rode on before, and the servants guided their masters in the direction of Ferrara, by ways but little known. Don Antonio followed on a low pony, and with such a change of apparel as sufficed to disguise him, but fancying that they regarded him with suspicion, especially Lorenzo, he determined to pursue the highway, and rejoin his friend in Ferrara, where he was certain to find him with but little difficulty. The Spaniards had scarcely got clear of the city before Cornelia had confided her whole history to the housekeeper, informing her that the infant belonged to herself and to the Duke of Ferrara, and making her acquainted with all that has been related, not concealing from her that the journey made by her masters was to Ferrara, or that they went accompanied by her brother, who was going to challenge the Duke Alfonso. Hearing all this, the housekeeper, as though the devil had sent her to complicate the difficulties and defer the restoration of Cornelia, began to exclaim, "'Alas, lady of my soul! All these things have happened to you, and you remain carelessly there with your limbs stretched out and doing nothing. Either you have no soul at all, or you have one so poor and weak that you do not feel it. And do you really suppose that your brother has gone to Ferrara?' believe nothing of the kind, but rather be sure that he has carried off my masters, and wild them from the house, that he may return and take your life, for he can now do it as one would drink a cup of water. Consider only under what kind of guard and protection we are left, that of three pages, who have enough to do with their own pranks, and are little likely to put their hands to anything good." I, for my part, shall certainly not have courage to await what must follow, and the destruction that cannot but come upon this house. The Signor Lorenzo, an Italian, to put his trust in Spaniards, and ask help and favor from them. By the light of my eyes, I will believe none of that. So saying, she made a fig at herself. But if you, my daughter, will take good advice, I will give you such as shall truly enlighten your way. Cornelia was thrown into a pitiable state of alarm and confusion by these declarations of the housekeeper, who spoke with so much heat, and gave so many evidences of terror, that all she said appeared to be the very truth. The lady pictured to herself Don Antonio and Don Juan as perhaps already dead. She fancied her brother even then coming in at the door, and felt herself already pierced by the blows of his poniard. She therefore replied, "'What advice do you then give me, good friend, that may prevent the catastrophe which threatens us?' "'I will give you counsel so good,' rejoined the housekeeper, "'that better could not be. I, signora, was formerly in the service of a priest, who has his abode in a village not more than two miles from Ferrara.' He is a good and holy man, who will do whatever I require from him, since he is under more obligations to me than merely those of a master to a faithful servant. Let us go to him. I will seek some one who shall conduct us thither instantly, and the woman who comes to nurse the infant is a poor creature, who will go with us to the end of the world. And now make ready, signora, for supposing you are to be discovered, it would be much better that you should be found under the care of a good priest, old and respected, than in the hands of two young students, bachelors and Spaniards, who, as I can myself bear witness, are but little disposed to lose occasions for amusing themselves. 
Now that you are unwell, they treat you with respect, but if you get well and remain in their clutches, heaven alone will be able to help you. For truly, if my cold disdain and repulses had not been my safeguard, they would long since have torn my honor to rags. All is not gold that glitters. Men say one thing, but think another. Happily, it is with me that they have to do, and I am not to be deceived, but know well when the shoe pinches my foot. Above all, I am well born, for I belong to the Crivellis of Milan, and carry the point of honor ten thousand feet above the clouds. By this you may judge, Signora, through what troubles I have had to pass, since, being what I am, I have been brought to serve as the housekeeper of Spaniards, or as, what they call, their gouvernante. Not that I have, in truth, any complaint to make of my masters, who are a couple of half-saints when they are not put into a rage, and, in this respect, they would seem to be Biscayans, as, indeed, they say they are. But, after all, they may be Galicians, which is another nation, and much less exact than the Biscayans. Neither are they so much to be depended on as the people of the bay." By all this verbiage, and more beside, the bewildered lady was induced to follow the advice of the old woman, insomuch that, in less than four hours after the departure of the friends, their housekeeper making all arrangements, and Cornelia consenting, the latter was seated in a carriage with the nurse of the babe, and without being heard by the pages, they set off on their way to the curate's village." All this was done not only by the advice of the housekeeper, but also with her money, for her masters had just before paid her a year's wages, and therefore it was not needful that she should take a jewel which Cornelia had offered her for the purposes of their journey. Having heard Don Juan say that her brother and himself would not follow the highway to Ferrara, but proceed thither by retired paths, Cornelia thought it best to take the high road. She bade the driver go slowly, that they might not overtake the gentleman in any case, and the master of the carriage was well content to do as they liked, since they had paid him as he liked. We will leave them on their way, which they take with as much boldness as good direction, and let us see what happened to Don Juan de Gamboa and Signor Lorenzo Bentivoglio. On their way they heard that the duke had not gone to Ferrara, but was still at Bologna, wherefore, abandoning the round they were making, they regained the high road, considering that it was by this the duke would travel on his return to Ferrara. Nor had they long entered thereon, before they perceived a troop of men on horseback coming, as it seemed from Bologna. Don Juan then begged Lorenzo to withdraw to a little distance, since, if the duke should chance to be of the company approaching, it would be desirable that he should speak to him before he could enter Ferrara, which was but a short distance from them. Lorenzo complied, and as soon as he had withdrawn, Don Juan removed the covering by which he had concealed the rich ornament of his hat, but this was not done without some little indiscretion, as he himself was the first to admit some time after. Meanwhile the travellers approached, among them came a woman on a pied horse, dressed in a travelling habit, and her face covered with a silk mask, either to conceal her features, or to shelter them from the effects of the sun and air. 
Don Juan pulled up his horse in the middle of the road, and remained with his face uncovered, awaiting the arrival of the cavalcade. As they approached him, the height, good looks, and spirited attitude of the Spaniard, the beauty of his horse, his peculiar dress, and, above all, the luster of the diamonds on his hat, attracted the eyes of the whole party, but especially those of the Duke of Ferrara, the principal personage of the group, who no sooner beheld the band of brilliance than he understood the cavalier before him to be Don Juan de Gamboa, his deliverer in the combat frequently alluded to. So well convinced did he feel of this that, without further question, he rode up to Don Juan, saying, "'I shall certainly not deceive myself, Signor Cavalier, if I call you Don Juan de Gamboa, for your spirited looks, and the decoration you wear on your hat alike assure me of the fact.' "'It is true that I am the person you say,' replied Don Juan. "'I have never yet desired to conceal my name, but tell me, Signor, who you are yourself, that I may not be surprised into any discourtesy.' "'Discourtesy from you, Signor, would be impossible,' rejoined the Duke. "'I feel sure that you could not be discourteous in any case. But I hasten to tell you, nevertheless, that I am the Duke of Ferrara, and a man who will be bound to do you service all the days of his life, since it is but a few nights since you gave him that life which must else have been lost.' Alfonso had not finished speaking when Don Juan, springing lightly from his horse, hastened to kiss the feet of the duke, but, with all his agility, the latter was already out of the saddle, and alighted in the arms of the Spaniard. Seeing this, Signor Lorenzo, who could but observe these ceremonies from a distance, believed that what he beheld was the effect of anger rather than courtesy. He therefore put his horse to its speed, but pulled up midway on perceiving that the Duke and Don Juan were of a verity clasped in each other's arms. It then chanced that Alfonso, looking over the shoulders of Don Juan, perceived Lorenzo, whom he instantly recognized, and somewhat disconcerted at his appearance, while still holding Don Juan embraced, he inquired if Lorenzo Bentivoglio, whom he there beheld, had come with him or not. Don Juan replied, "'Let us move somewhat apart from this place, and I will relate to your excellency some very singular circumstances.' The duke having done as he was requested, Don Juan said to him, "'My lord duke, I must tell you that Lorenzo Bentivoglio, whom you there see, has a cause of complaint against you, and not a light one. He avers that some nights since you took his sister, the Lady Cornelia, from the house of a lady, her cousin, and that you have deceived her and dishonoured his house. He desires, therefore, to know what satisfaction you propose to make for this, that he may then see what it behoves him to do. He has begged me to be his aid and mediator in the matter, and I have consented with a good will, since, from certain indications which he gave me, I perceived that the person of whom he complained, and yourself, to whose liberal courtesy I owe this rich ornament, were one and the same. Thus, seeing that none could more effectually mediate between you than myself, I offered to undertake that office willingly, as I have said, and now I would have you tell me, Signor, if you know aught of this matter, and whether what Lorenzo has told me to be true. Alas, my friend, it is so true, replied the Duke, that I durst not deny it, 
even if I would. Yet I have not deceived or carried off Cornelia, though I know that she has disappeared from the house of which you speak. I have not deceived her, because I have taken her for my wife, and I have not carried her off, since I do not know what has become of her. If I have not publicly celebrated my nuptials with her, it is because I waited until my mother, who is now at the last extremity, should have passed into another life, she desiring greatly that I should espouse the Signora Livia, daughter of the Duke of Mantua. There are, besides, other reasons, even more important than this, but which it is not convenient that I should now make known. What has, in fact, happened is this. On the night when you came to my assistance, I was to have taken Cornelia to Ferrara, she being then in the last month of her pregnancy, and about to present me with that pledge of our love which it has pleased God to bless us. But whether she was alarmed by our combat or by my delay, I know not. All I can tell you is that when I arrived at the house, I met the confidant of our affection just coming out. From her I learned that the mistress had that moment left the house, after having given birth to a son, the most beautiful that ever had been seen, and whom she had given to one Fabio, my servant. The woman is she whom you see here. Fabio is also in this company, but of Cornelia and her child I can learn nothing. These two days I have passed at Bologna, in ceaseless endeavors to discover her, or to obtain some clue to her retreat, but I have not been able to learn anything. In that case, interrupted Don Juan, if Cornelia and her child were now to appear, you would not refuse to admit that the first is your wife and the second your son? Certainly not, replied the Duke, for if I value myself on being a gentleman, still more highly do I prize the title of Christian. Cornelia, besides, is one who well deserves to be mistress of a kingdom. Let her but come, and whether my mother live or die, the world shall know that I maintain my faith, and that my word, given in private, shall be publicly redeemed. And what you have now said to me you are willing to repeat to your brother, Signor Lorenzo? inquired Don Juan. My only regret is, exclaimed the Duke, that he has not long before been acquainted with the truth. End of the Lady Cornelia Part Two.